Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We're glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into this week's message. But before we do, I want to encourage you to connect with us online. You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and this very podcast. We want to stay connected. So another great way to do that is be our guest on a Sunday. I'd love to invite you to be here. If you're local, come out. We want to meet you, get to know you, worship with you. We'd really, really enjoy your company. And without further ado, let's jump into this week's message. Good morning, everybody. We were supposed to be next door, but um, people keep asking me, oh, was the city being difficult? No, it was something that we needed to know about. It was something we needed to know about, we needed to fix, and we needed to do it right. And so we're really excited that uh, the part we needed was in Reno, and so it was overnight, and it's already here. They're, they're working on it. And, uh, you know, God... It's one of those things we didn't want to find out about later. So it's 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 a good it's a good situation, and I'm excited about it. Um, if you're new here and you're wondering what are they talking about, um, our new space is over there, and um, and this is the foyer. So that's why it's weird. You know, we've been in this collection of messages um, on the Sermon on the Mount, and the Sermon on the Mount is. It's Jesus' vision for what a, what a new creature looks like. It's Jesus' manifesto, not for how to be saved, but for what it looks like when we are saved. So I, I know that in a room this size, there's people that you, you've been living for God for a long time, and there's some of you that um, you would not call yourself a Christian. When Jesus is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, He's talking specifically to people that are believers. And so if you're not a believer today, you get, a, you get a pass on everything I'm about to say, all right? But not only do you get a pass, you get to hold your neighbor accountable to it. So that's, that's great. So you, you get, it's kind of a, you might say, well, that's kind of a double standard, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> Jesus expects his followers to live a different way. We, we don't come to him just to get saved and feel better about ourselves, to have this sort of belief in a God and feel like therapeutically better. But he calls us to live transformed lives. And uh, and the Sermon on the Mount is all about that. It's broken into uh, three portions. It's It was written by a guy named Matthew that was a follower of Jesus. And um, it records Jesus's words that Matthew heard Jesus say, and it's it's in Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. It's really three parts. It begins with a a blessing on believers. Jesus isn't saying what they should be like; he's saying what they are like, and he's blessing them for it. So he's blessing them. Then it goes into the middle portion, is very much uh, like Jesus saying. Uh, that believers, like he's coming against hypocrisy in the middle. Like he's very much uh, against hypocrisy. And and because how many of you know that like religious people, that's that's what we struggle with. 
We're great at pointing fingers at other people, and we're not great at looking at our own chains. Am I the only one that sees that? In and so Jesus, understand, Jesus wasn't like, hey, that's cool, just keep doing that. No, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is very much about live what you believe, be consistent. And then it ends with um, th- this portion where he's telling us how to, how to live uh, in, in his new kingdom. And, uh, and so it's a great passage of Scripture, and all of it's got to be done through, uh, through his Spirit moving in our lives and working in our lives. I... Um, as I was preparing for this message today, I was trying to come up with an example of, like an illustration for maybe a time when I anticipated something to happen at a certain time, and it didn't happen when I thought it was, just trying to, trying to come up with a good idea for something like that, and uh, definitely the, the, our building. I, I was frustrated this week. I, I, as as um, as calm as you might have think I was, as as sanctified as you think I was, I I was pretty frustrated. I think I think some people on the team around here saw that I was I was pretty just just frustrated. I didn't lose my my cool or nothing, but I was frustrated. Like anybody else, just ever get frustrated? I get frustrated when I expect something to be done and it's just not done by then, and and, and maybe. Maybe sometimes we just our expectations are off, and so we we have the wrong expectation. But the truth is, anytime we we have things that didn't turn out the way we wanted them to turn out, it makes us frustrated. Maybe for you, it's deadlines that are approaching, and, and it just makes you frustrated. Maybe maybe you have a great business idea, and you're just waiting for someone else to see your idea and invest in it. Maybe for you, you're still asking God those hard questions, and you don't have answers yet. Maybe you're knocking on the doors of opportunity, and you're not seeing any results. Maybe for you, you just get frustrated with your relationships, or maybe with you, you're frustrated by... Uh, the business that you lead is just frustrating. It's not turning out the way you thought it would. Maybe for you, you're just frustrated with them kids. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's that you're still dealing with the guilt and the shame. And it's frustrating because you feel like every time you take two steps forward, you take three steps backward. And can I just tell you, that's, that's very much how this faith journey works. It's not a straight line. It's not a, like a, a, a shuttle bus to Jesus. It's very much a slow process of growth that often looks like taking some ground and losing some ground, only to realize your feet got stronger as you, as you went through the process of it. But the problem is, I, I think when I get frustrated, I think if I can just... If I can just handle this situation on my own, I can, I can solve my frustrations. If I just make the right phone calls, if I just get a hold of the right people, if I just manipulate my way into a better future, I'll stop being frustrated. Like if I could just change things about me, like if it, maybe if I could just be skinnier, I would be less frustrated. Maybe if, if I was prettier, or, or or maybe if I could just convince them that I was the that I had the right answer to this the problem, or or conv- or if maybe if I was smarter, or or maybe if I could finish this project, or maybe if I could just control my tongue, then I would be less frustrated. At the the core of, of every one of us, we want 
fulfillment in our lives. At the very core of every single person in this room, whether you've been living for God for a long time or you would say you're not a believer, we all want to feel satisfaction. We all want contentment. We all want to be fulfilled. We all want peace in our homes. And when we are not fulfilled, we get frustrated. And the more, the more, at least for me, the more I try to fix the problems, the more frustrated I get. You know what I mean? The more I think I can, I can solve the problem on my own, the more I, I just get agitated with all the frustration. And I think the problem is, if we're trying to fix the right problem with the wrong tools, we don't get the right answer. So we get frustrated without the right tools, and then we just quit. We, we just give up. Maybe for you, it's, maybe it's in your marriage. You're just frustrated, and it's that you don't have the right tools, and so we just kind of throw in the towel on the relationship. Or, or maybe you, you just feel like, I, I just wish that this shame would already be off me by now. I thought that would be gone, and I, we just get frustrated. We say, Forget it. I'm, I'm just going to quit. And, and can I just tell you that there is hope today? For those that are struggling with shame and guilt and maybe you've got stuff going on in your marriage, the Bible says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Uh, it's not if you would work harder, if you would manage your time better, if you would just be a better husband, like if you would just figure it all out that it all solve itself. I'm saying if we can get closer to Jesus, he has real answers for real problems. Real answers and, and for, for our real problems in life. The frustration that we feel just with the various things in life, it, it shouldn't cause us to quit. I guess what I'm saying is, could it be that frustration is actually a healthy feeling in some sense? Could it be that frustration is, is really more like a check engine light on the dashboard of our lives? You know that light that's on in your car? Like that, that light? That light's always on. That's a problem. It's a problem you don't know about yet. It, it, it's just a light that's indicating something else is wrong. The light itself is just an indication that something is misaligned, something is misfiring, something is not functioning properly. And can I just tell you that perhaps frustration is a friend because it tells us when something isn't operating properly in our lives. Because our, our lives were, were meant to be lived a certain way. Like God designed us with a plan and a purpose, and we don't need to go and try to figure out how to live. Like I'm telling you, like he gives you a user manual, like a user guide that will help us. And, and, and when, we, when we're not living according to his plan, we see the check engine light of life. Working hard enough is not going to solve your frustration. Hoping that this building gets completed is not going to solve my frustration. The purchase of a new car does not solve the frustration of life. The deep diving and cleaning your house may help a little bit, but it's not going to solve the frustrations we deal with. Buying a new phone 
hot. Somebody's like, he's in the word. No. <clears throat> Finding a new mate is not going to solve the frustration. You, you know, I, I wrote this message because I, I had a different message I planned to preach, and then I had the superintendent from the job site come and tell me, he's like, hey, I got some bad news you're not going to like. <laughs> and he tells me this bad news, and I'm like, you're right, I didn't like hearing that. I'm very frustrated right now, and I don't want, I don't even, I texted, I texted a friend in, in New York City that just, he just uh, got into his building this past fall. I texted him, I was, I was like, I was like, Wayne, you need to talk to me about uh, not getting into the building on time. And he's like, hey, he's like, we got delayed for over a month, just different thing after different thing after different thing. He's like, I get it. He's like, just know this, when it's all done, you're not even going to remember the frustration. I thought that was cute. That's cute. But some of you are like, oh, ah, it's a word. I was like, that's not helping at all. And I just said, I, I, we're in this, this series on, on the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to, so I, I'm, I'm shifting where I was going to talk about. And I'm going to talk about the one thing in the Sermon on the Mount that, that deals with where frust- how do we deal with frustration. Because the truth is the frustration in our life comes when we are not living out the purpose God has designed us for. You can be the most successful person on the planet, but if you do not have purpose in your life, you will be frustrated. You can have the best marriage in the world, but if you don't have God-given purpose in your life, you're gonna be frustrated in your marriage because purpose is the solution to frustration. And Jesus says this, In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says that you are the salt of the earth. He's not talking about what we do. He's not saying you behave really good. You are very moral people. You guys have a great ethic. That's not what he's saying. He's saying at your very core, I want to talk about your very core essence of what you are as a believer. Not what you do, not how you think, but who you are. You are salt of the earth. What is he saying? He's talking, he's he's. He's using this analogy that we are a, an agent that causes change in anything it comes in contact with. Because salt never just stays, like salt doesn't leave the environment around it static. Salt changes everything. Jesus is saying, if you are a follower of him, that you were made to make a difference. We were made to make a difference. We were literally crafted to make the things we come in contact with Change. This is what salt does. Salt, salt is this incredible, uh, you know, compound that can it can change things around it. It brings salt brings flavor to food. It, it it's a preservative to things. Uh, it, it's a cleansing agent. It, it it's in fact in Jesus's day, it's the method by which Roman soldiers were paid. They were paid in salt. Like like salt can do a lot. Salt can make a baked potato pretty good. Salt can make broccoli pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> negative ghostwriter. Like, 
throw in a little butter and a little bit of cheese, and then, then we'll call it good, okay? Like, salt can do, like, here's the, like, I've never, I've never had, like, a, a, a little bit of salt and thought, man, that tastes like lasagna. But I have had lasagna with and without salt. And when you have lasagna with salt, it just tastes better. Everything tastes better with salt. What am I saying? What I'm saying is God made you unique. Not what you do, but who you actually are is a unique change agent in the world around you, designed to make a difference. And if you are not making a difference in the world around you, you will be this building while this building. And he says this. He says, you know what? It's not about the building in the first place. The building's not the point. The church name's not the point. The logo on the front of the building, not the point. The point is you were called to make a difference in the lives of the people around you. And so let's go ahead and be some salt and make a difference instead of complaining about a building not being done. I think so often we, we just get so focused on our own little agendas, we forget that what we are at our very core is we are change agents for Jesus. He goes on and he says, well, he says, but, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Jesus, I don't think you understand how chemistry works. Sodium chloride can't not be not sodium chloride. Like what? You can't unsalt salt. Can I just tell you, Jesus is not trying to make a chemistry point here. He's making a point about the human condition. He's making a point about his new vision for what you and I should be like. He's saying that you... Like, like in the same way that, that salt cannot be something other than salt, if salt doesn't have a salty quality to it, it is not sodium chloride. Salt that is not salty is not, in fact, salt. Believers who are not salty might not actually be Believers, no, you don't understand. Like I'm just kind of like a, uh, I'm a low key Christian. Like I just don't want to cause any waves. I don't want to make it. Like, I don't want to pray for anybody in public. That might. I don't pray out loud for people. That'd be. I'm just saying. Like Jesus is making this analogy that salt that isn't actually salt isn't salt. It's 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 maybe heavier than you than you heard. He's saying if we're not living this thing out and we're not changing the world around us, we might not actually be changed. Because the truth is every single one of us has a flavor that God put inside of us that he designed us to bring to the world around you. You say, I don't know what my flavor is. I just been through the fire. Maybe you're smoked paprika. Maybe for you, you, you got some spicy chili. Like, you got some spice to bring to life. Maybe for you, you're just sweet as pie. I'm just, I'm just saying God designed us to make a difference in the world around us, and salt that is not salty is not salt. It is unnatural to be salt that is not salty. It's impossible. In fact, salt that isn't salty is just sand that should be walked on. 
And in the same way that it is not natural for salt to be unsalty, it is not natural for followers of Jesus to be something other than a change agent in the environments they find themselves in. We were made to make a difference. You will be forever frustrated as a believer and you'll never experience the fulfillment that God has for you if you are not changing the environments around you. We've got to live on purpose the way God designed us to live. He goes on and he says, you're the salt, you're this change agent that changes the world. Somebody might say, well, what's he talking about? He's talking about the preservative qualities of salt. He was very specific about the flavor of salt. He's talking about the way salt enhances the world around them. Salt doesn't try to take over the world around them. It enhances the world around them. This is why Christianity thrives in any, believe it or not, Christianity thrives in any political system. Because it's not designed to overtake things, it's, t- it's designed to enhance things. He then goes on and he shifts. <clears throat> he shifts and he, he says this in verse 14. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In 2019, I went to Israel, and, and we're actually, we were planning on doing a group trip there, and then COVID happened, and then this happened, and I just haven't really circled back around to make that happen. But we're, we're going to do, take a group to Israel, and we'll keep you posted on that. But when, when you go to Israel, it, it, it's really interesting. Where Jesus is teaching this is most likely fairly close to Capernaum. It's, it's within his triangle of ministry. So it's on the northern uh, coast or the, or the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee, and there's these rolling hills where he would have spoken when he was doing this. And he says, you're, you're like the light of the world. You're like a city that cannot be hidden. And if you look down across the, the Sea of Galilee, on, on the western side of the, the bay, there is a, an ancient city that's still on the side of the hill. It's the only city that was there during the time of Jesus and is still in a thriving city to this day. It's a city called Tiberias. It was a Roman enclave. The Roman, the Roman garrison was there. It, it had like its own amphitheater. It had education. It had the arts. It had uh, theater. I mean, it had, it had everything Rome brought, the Pax Romana. It had all of it. And if you lived in the area where Jesus was at, It was the one thing you couldn't miss at night was a lit city on the side of the one mountain in in the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus looks and he says, in in the same way that, that it is not natural for salt to be unsalty, it is not natural for a thriving, lively city to to be hidden on the side of a hill. You're going to see the lights. You're going to see the life. You're going to see the, the movement, the world moving around. Like it, it is natural for a believer to be seen as a believer. He then goes on and he says this. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. So in their day, they had these little clay lanterns that were, they were pretty shallow, about this, this shallow, about that wide, and maybe about that, about that long. These little clay Lanterns they would carry around. They'd fill them with oil, and then they'd light the end of it. And what Jesus is saying is, if you have the need to light a candle, 
you've lit it for a purpose. It makes no sense to light a candle or to light a lantern and then to cover it in a room. It's just not natural to the purpose of a candle. It's just not natural because when you cover light, you're ruining the very purpose of why it exists. He then goes on, he says, Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. He's saying that when when Jesus did something in you, he didn't just do it for you. When he freed you from addiction, he wasn't just freeing you from addiction. When he intervened in your marriage and made an impact in your marriage, he didn't just do it so that you could have a better marriage. He did it because your life is like a candle that should be lit, and it lights up the room for everyone in the room with him. I'm just saying what God did for you, he didn't do it just for you. He did it so that you would be like salt, that when it touches other things, it changes them and makes them better, that you would be like light, that when you walk into the room, everyone around you is receiving light from what God did in your life. Why? Because we were made to make a difference. Verse 16, in the same way, let let your good deeds shine out for all to see. He's saying, in the same way that a candle shines and it hits every wall in the room, let the good things that God is doing in, doing in and through your life, let it shine to everyone around you. Because we, we were made to make a difference, but we were called to give unconditionally. Salt and light don't say, well, what about me? <laughs> when do I get mine? Uh, salt and light, uh, they, they, don't, they don't do something nice. for the, like They don't give salt to somebody and say, no, what are you going to do with the salt? You're going you're gonna to misuse the salt? Like, like salt and light affect whatever they come in contact with unconditionally. They, it, light, gives, light gives light to everyone around them. It's unconditional. I think as believers, sometimes we think our job is to vet everyone that God places in front of us to see whether or not they deserve the kindness of Jesus. We are not God's jury. We are salt and we are light. Our only responsibility is that when we come into environments, we make a difference in those environments unconditionally. The other day, as a pastor, you know, sometimes I think everybody in every role, we kind of go through the, the routine where things just kind of become routine and predictable in our lives. And I love it when and things are a little less predictable for me. And that doesn't mean throw me a curveball. Don't do that. Um, but this week I, I, I was here, I was working, and I was a little frustrated with this whole building situation. And, and I looked outside, and there's this guy out there, and he's got this backpack, and he, he's clearly not living in a home. Uh, and it was one of the really hot, I mean, it's been hot. And I see him out there, and think, well, I'll, I'll let him, so I, I let him in, and I, I let him use the water fountain, give him a cup of water, and use the water fountain, use the bathroom. Of course, I'm, like, waiting to make sure he comes back out, you know what I mean? And then check the bathroom after he leaves, of course, you know. 
And then when he leaves, uh, he, he's out there, and I see him out on the sidewalk. I, I get hungry, and I decide, I'm going to go over to this taco truck over here and go, go get me a taco. Because the Lord knows there's just something divine about tacos. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Mexican people got good food. Like, they, they just got, like, elevated. I'm, it's just something, a whole, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, God, God loves Hispanic people. That's what I'm saying. He loves some abuelas that make some tacos. That's what I'm saying. So, so, I, so I went over there to go get some, some, some asada tacos, and, and as, as I was walking, I, I saw this guy, and I met him. His name was Ruben, so I, I saw him, and um, I, felt like, I felt like, man, you should get him some food too. And as soon as I had that thought, I had this thought, uh, he's probably got the money to buy a taco, but he's spending it on the wrong things. Right? I mean, he's, he's probably spending it on some sort of drugs or something, like he... he He's obviously not responsible. Like, maybe I'm just enabling him if I buy him a... Does he, am I the only one that ever thinks like this? It's just, just like a handful of us are judgy people. The rest of you got this figured out. I'm like, he could, he could be doing better things with his money. And I just felt like God was like, I didn't ask you to figure out what he does with his budget. I'm putting it on your heart right now. Like, like you hear me nudging you to just go help this guy. It's hot out and he's hungry. So I, I go and I, I buy him a taco, buy him some food, and then I go and get a bunch more water, and I go back out to him. I'm like, hey, bro, here, here's some water and some food. I don't always get that right. But I felt like in that moment... I felt like I was being the salt and the light that God called us to be. I'm not saying like I had prayed with him and he gave his life to Jesus and then we baptized him. He came out of the water speaking in tongues. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is we're called to make a difference in the world around us, a tangible, real difference. And if we aren't actually salty, are we salt? If we aren't actually light, are we light? Because the truth of the matter is, is that my responsibility and your responsibility, it is not to evaluate how somebody uses whatever we do for them. Whether we give them our time, our, our finances, or just a, some thoughts. Or, like, I'm not going to help her out with, with new ideas on how to manage being you know, a single mom because she's not going to listen to me anyway. It's not your responsibility to figure out what they do with what you give them. You are only accountable to do what you can with what you have. In, in fact, you're going to stand before God one day and you're going to give an account, not for what that guy did with the money that he saved by me giving him a taco. Like, I'm, God's not going to say, well, you know, you gave him a, a taco. That was $3. You know what he did with that $3? He saved up five tacos worth and then he went down. No, like, God's not going to do that. What God's going to do is when you had it, did you make a difference in the life of a guy that was hot and thirsty? Did you do it in the life of a guy that was? Our call is to be generous to the world around us, to show up for people, to make a difference, to be the actual salt. Like we're not called to just feel better about ourselves because we gave our life to Jesus. 
we're called to change the world around us without evaluating everyone else's intentions. I'm saying, because we like to give, we like to be generous to people that think like us. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be, I'll be generous. I'll be generous to people that think like me, that vote like me, that use the same language as me, that have the same skin color as me. And can I just say, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, like, like there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, male nor female. Like, Jesus, he's making it very clear that, that we, we do not get to, like, create these weird silos we do within the church. We're called to, to universally make a difference in the world around us because people need salt and they need light to change their lives. Because ultimately, everybody's had the same thing over and over again. This sinful world is boring. We need some salt that brings some real life and vibrancy to this thing. Let's make a difference. Let's make a difference in the world around us. And he says, he does, we do all this. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, and then watch this, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Not to pat yourself on the back. Not to get an Instagram picture. Although if you do it, make sure that you're doing it from above and not below. Not to pass out church cards. You know what I mean? Like, like, go make a difference. Why? Because you're salt and you're light. Are you saying I should go make a difference so that we can spread the name of Celebration Church so the church can grow? No. This is not about a church. This is about who we intrinsically are at our very core, at our very essence. We are followers of Jesus who he calls salt and light. And when we get environments, we give light to everyone that, can, that we can see. We, give, we change with salt. We can increase the flavor of everything around us. Why? So that he gets the praise. Not so I get a pat on the back, not so that we can grow a church. Like, like I think sometimes we do like random acts of kindness. I'm going to randomly do things for you, but I'm going to pass you a church card. That's not random. And that's not what he's talking about. Like, it's good. You go ahead and do that. But that's not the point. The point is not to build big buildings. It's not to build an organization. It's not to, not to build the name of a, of a church. The point is you and I are salt and we are light and we're to make a difference in the world around us. I mean, Jesus, he gives us this, this clue. Like, like, he shows us this clue of what it will be like in the future. He, don't you love someone that gives you the, 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 the answers to a question on the test ahead of time? I used to love that in school. When I'd have a teacher, they'd be like, I'm going to give you the, the, I'm going to give you the questions that I'm going to ask you. Anybody else have those kind of teachers? Those are the best. If you're a teacher, we love you if you do that. And Jesus tells us this story where he says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you comforted me. And they said, well, when did we clothe you? And when did we feed you? And when did we join you in prison? And he says, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. What he's saying is, is at the end of time, when you stand before God, there's going to be, this is not a salvation thing. This is not a, you're saved if you did it, you're damned if you didn't. That's not what this is. 
This is for believers. This is whether or not you were salty, whether or not you were light. He's saying that if you did these kind of things for the least people that come into your periphery, then, then you're do, it's, it's as though you're doing it to him. Like when you feed someone that's hungry, you're feeding him. When you clothe someone that doesn't have clothes, you're clothing him. When you're giving a kid a backpack for school, you're giving him a backpack for school. When you're going to visit someone in prison, you're visiting, I'm just... If all church is, as we all join to hear some good singing and we hear an okay preaching, like, that's not the point. The point is we're called to be, we're made to make a difference, and we're called to, to give unconditionally, and we're called to show them Jesus. You, you know, the other day I was, uh, I, I went out to eat with, with, with a family in the church, and a couple families in the church, and I, as I was coming up to, to eat, I, I, uh, my wife noticed in the, in the tip jar, there was like a large, there was like a $100 bill in the tip jar. And she looked at the, the gal running the cash register, and she said, hey, are you going <laughs> to, you're going to get that? Like, you might want to pull that out of the jar. And the girl sees it, and she like instantly, her eyes start watering up. She's like, who did that? And I was like, well, I didn't see them do it, but I have a pretty good idea who did it. She's well, they didn't say anything, they didn't say anything. I said, I said you know what? They, they didn't say it so you could pat them on the back. They, they did it because they're trying to show you the goodness of Jesus. Like, they're trying to show you that Jesus really cares about you, that he loves you. Like, like, this, like I, we don't need to hand you a church card on this thing. Like, like we, we're going to give unconditionally, and we're going to point you to Jesus. That girl was, was weeping. Why? Not because someone was like, hey, I got a tip for you. Find Jesus. I got a tip for you. Get a different job. Like, no, 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 no. It was, if God has done something in my life, it is so that I can enhance your life and I can illuminate your life. Not so I can leverage you for my purposes. It's just who I am. Salt and light, as the band would come. So we are called to show them Jesus. We're called to show up when people are in need. We're called to be there when people are in need. And I don't mean just like as a church, like corporately as a church, which yes, as a church, we do stuff. I mean, you and I, in our everyday living of life, we're called to make a difference. This is Jesus' vision for what humanity should be. Where every time she walks into the office, her coworkers know that she's going to lift up their spirits and encourage them. Where every time he, he sees somebody struggling at a gas pump or gas thing, he like stops and he gets out and helps. Church, this is what we need. We, we need the church to stop waving signs and start making a difference in the lives of people around them without making it a come to our church thing. It's just who I am. We're called to make a difference and we're called to show them Jesus. Because ultimately as a church, we often say this and it's true, 
Look, we live in this, the, the way we live as believers is we live in this relationship up with God, right? We, we worship him and we, we, we develop a prayer life. This is why we talk about a time and place with him. We read his word. We live in relationship with other people, other believers, right? We call this discipleship. This is how we grow is through relationship with other believers. Then we're called to, to, to make a difference in the world around us. And that, that we talk about that, like go to crash course, get on a team. That's a big part of it. But honestly, a whole nother part of it is, is really even simpler than that. Just go share your story with somebody. what God's done for you it's not meant for you because you are salt that changes anything it touches salt doesn't say no I'm, I'm salt stay away salt shares you are light light doesn't stay light, light bounces around everywhere and it says listen listen what I've got I'm saying like if if your marriage was on the rocks and all hope was lost. And you turned to Jesus and he did a miraculous work in your marriage. He did it so that you could change the world around you. I'm saying if your health was just like unbearable, like there was just things going on that you were outside of your control and you truly believe God miraculously healed you, you're called to be salt and light and share the goodness of God with the people around you. I'm saying if God has blessed your business and it has thrived and you have, you've been able to just create something like a generational thing for your family, that's beautiful and God bless you, but he didn't do it for you. He did it so you could elevate and lift up the people around you, making a difference, giving them hope, giving them counsel, and maybe giving them a hand up when they need it. I'm just saying... We're called to be salt and light, not hide behind a symbol of a cross. We're, we're called to get out and get our hands dirty and make the world a better place. Because here's the truth. If you're frustrated, the answer to your frustration is fulfillment. It's not having everything go smoothly. The answer is becoming who God called you to be. Because ultimately, you can have success and never serve anyone. But you cannot have significance without serving someone. Would you stand with me all across the room? I think, I think part of the reason why this message is burning in my bones is I just feel like I personally have just been so focused on getting this stupid room done. And it's gorgeous. Go look. But it's taking up all my attention and all my emotion and all my thoughts. But that's not who I am. It's not who you are. We are salt and we are light. Let's make the world around us a better place.
Holy Spirit, come. Would you show us the areas of our lives that you have placed in us to transform the world around us? The pains we have lived through that are truly salt to those in need. The encouragement we've received that would be light to someone in darkness. God, I pray that every situation and every environment that we step in, that they would be changed. Not because we're wagging our fingers at people telling them to get better. Not because we're demanding them to vote in a certain way. But because we're sharing the goodness of Jesus. We're showing them the love and kindness of our Savior. God, I pray you'd change us that we would be salty salt and we would be illuminating light. God, I pray for a mother in this room, that the, the kids that she sees coming through the neighborhood. I just feel like there's a mother you've been seeing kids coming through the neighborhood and they don't have parental guidance in their life. <laughs> They're like from around the corner. They come over and they, they don't have, <laughs> you just worry about them. Stop worrying about them and start caring for them. God's called you into that situation. Start, start caring for them. Start showing them light. You don't need to try to be their mom. You're not their mom. But you care for them. You show them the light and the love of Jesus. I'm telling you, you'll change that family. Transform our hearts, Jesus, so we can be yours. Maybe in, our, in this room, there's, there's someone that would say, I, I have not yet allow Jesus to stop and I need to allow him to be Lord of my life. If that's you and you want Jesus to be in charge of your life, would you put your hand up so I can see you? It's dark. I can't see all the way back. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see those hands. Listen, that's good. That's good. Listen, here's what we do. We repent and we believe. Repent means we turn away from the things in our life that we think, do, or say that don't please God. And then we believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And when we do this, his blood cleanses us from all sin. And he puts us in a right relationship with himself. So for those of you that raised your hands, pray something, something like this in your own words. God, I'm sorry for the things in my life that you are not pleased with. I'm turning from them now. Would you forgive me? I really believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross, that he was buried for three days, that he rose again with all power and authority in his hands. So right now, I'm placing all of my faith and all of my hope in Jesus Christ alone. Say these words with me. Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the best decision. 
of their life. Let's go out there, let's be salt, and let's be light. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to this week's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. We love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.